Let's uh, turn to our second scripture reading for today, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. You can find it in your pew Bibles on, on page 1828, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you, and his distress because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. These are the authoritative words of God. May they produce faith in all who hear them. One of the first things I learned early on as a missionary was that I should train up a man to replace me. Missions is an unpredictable career, with people coming and going all the time. And the fact of the matter is, a missionary can only do so much. If you do not find a man to replace you, then the work you have begun will slowly fade away. And if you truly want to see the church gain traction in, in, a, in a country, then there needs to be native pastors taking the reins. This could be a difficult transition, for there has to be a level of trust coming from the missionary and a level of self-confidence within that native pastor. The missionary must believe that the man he has trained can effectively lead the church. And this new pastor needs to have the self-assurance that God will use him going forward. We saw something similar to this in our first scripture reading from today. Moses had died and God was now calling Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. The Lord commanded Joshua with these words. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. In the Christian life, we can often look to others in our times of need, not realizing that God had, has already gifted and matured us to handle such situations. This was a case in Philippi. The church was now 10 years old and capable of functioning well enough on its own. The problem was they did not know it yet. In our second scripture reading, we see a, a transition in Paul's writing, where Paul had been instructing the church on a life of humility and unity and being bold in, his, in their witness for Christ. He now shifts his thoughts to his plans for his immediate future and their immediate future. Yet as we sh shall soon see, there's a link between the two sections of scripture. When the church of Philippi sent Epaphroditus to Paul, their hope was that he would be able to aid Paul in all of his tasks during his troubles and in his uh, imprisonment, in order that Timothy would be freed up. You see, this church desired for Timothy to come to Philippi and to help them as they struggled to maintain unity within the church. Paul did not follow their suggested plan. But instead, he sent Epaphroditus back to Philippi. And he used this portion of his letter to not only explain his reasoning of why he did this, but also to teach the church a valuable lesson. Let's look a bit closer and see what is going on here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. While Paul did desire for Timothy to reconnect with these believers in Philippi, it would not happen right away. Timothy would come to them, but not immediately. Now there are a number of reasons why it would seem like a good idea for Paul to send a man like Timothy there. In fact, this was a common practice of Paul's throughout his years of ministry. As he oversaw a number of churches in different cities, he could not always be present at each one. So he would send one of his close disciples as a representative to both investigate and to instruct. For example, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verses 2 through 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 2 through 6. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid in that some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. 
But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. As we can see here, Paul had previously sent Timothy to different churches that he had planted in order to equip and strengthen them, particularly in times of persecution and trouble. And Paul would do this for his own benefit as well, for he wanted to gain information on the health of that church so as to know how to best proceed going forward as he shepherded the flock that Christ had given to him. Now, most scholars believe that this first letters to the church in Thessalonica was written only several months after Paul had planted that church. You see, Paul had to leave the city quickly due to strong opposition by the Jews. And so these were young Christians off on their own. This was a baby church that Paul was dealing with. To not send a man like Timothy would have been irresponsible to say the least. Yet the church in Philippi was roughly 10 years old. And now they were requesting Timothy to come to them. They were much more mature. And Paul knew this. Send, sending Timothy was not so much of a need as it was a luxury. So even though the request had been made, Paul did not feel the necessity of sending Timothy right away. Let's continue. Verse 20. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul now praises Timothy for his high character. He is one of a kind. He takes a genuine interest in the welfare of the church in Philippi. In one sense, Paul is communicating to this church that Timothy does have true affection and concern for them, and that his not coming right away should not be taken as some sort of slight. The apostle Paul also sets up Timothy as a model citizen displaying the type of character he had previously urged these Philippian believers towards. For example, look at Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should, not, should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Timothy was such a man, always putting others ahead of himself. And notice, too, how Paul ties this characteristic to the interests of Jesus Christ. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Concern for others and the interests of Jesus Christ, they are one and the same. Jesus looks to the welfare of his bride first. His affection is for his church. And Timothy has been granted the mind of Christ. So he did not look to his own interests. Rather, he considered the needs of the church to be of chief importance. 
verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy was very dear to Paul, like a son is to a father. When you read through the book of Acts, you will notice that Timothy practically went everywhere that Paul went. He was loyal to Paul, and he was loyal to Jesus. He had proven himself as a citizen worthy of the gospel of Christ. And this is most likely why Paul could not let him go at this time. For Timothy was Paul's choice to carry on the mission if he died, which was a great possibility as Paul sat in chains awaiting his trial. Paul needed to instill in this man all that he could while there was still time. So while the, the needs in, in Philippi were great, the necessity of Christ's church as a whole outweighed them. Timothy was indispensable. Verse 23. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. The church in Philippi would have to wait until Paul's trial was complete. Once Paul's fate had been decided, once God's will had been made known, then Timothy could come to them. And if Paul was released, not only Timothy, but Paul would make the journey as well. As we can see, this wasn't a case where Paul did not want Timothy to travel to Philippi. Paul just couldn't spare him at this time. For if this was truly Paul's last days, then he needed to spend time with his son in the faith. So from these first few verses, we learn that the church in Philippi, they desired Timothy to come to them. Yet God gave to them what was necessary. Look at verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. With Timothy remaining to help Paul, Epaphroditus wasn't really needed in Rome. It was better for him to return. In fact, Paul said that it was necessary. Now, there are a number of reasons for this, but, but before we get into those, first listen to the words of approval that Paul used to describe this messenger from Philippi. Brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. Do you notice the crescendo of praise? He was a brother in the, in the Lord, a person who had faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of his sins. And more than that, he was a fellow worker, one who was willing to bring the gospel to the lost and to minister to those in need. But, it, but last but not least, he was a fellow soldier putting his own life in harm's way as he served King Jesus. 
Like Timothy, Epaphroditus was loyal and trustworthy. He would have had to have been for the Philippian church to send him with a large sum of money that was to be used in aid for Paul. The church in Philippi knew that their money was safe with this man. Otherwise, they would not have sent him. Also, like Timothy, Epaphroditus puts others ahead of himself. He was willing to make such a dangerous journey for Paul's sake. And he was eager to put himself into Paul's service once he arrived. His own needs mattered not. Yet Paul felt it was necessary for him to return to Philippi. Let's see why. Verse 26. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Travel in the first century A.D. was not for the faint of heart. It was hazardous especially when crossing the sea. Typhoid fever and malaria were commonplace. Most likely it was one of those that brought Epaphroditus to the brink of death. Yet God showed mercy to his servant. Our God is a God of compassion and grace. He shows deep concern for the struggles that his workers must endure. And in his mercy, he often gives relief. You see, God is able to hear the prayers of his soldiers and to bring healing so that they might carry on in their duties. Sickness is a regular occurrence for missionaries today as well. They travel to countries where malaria or dengue fever are all too common. These people know the risks that they're heading into as they journey on. Yet they are steadfast in their duty to serve their king. And this was the case for Epaphroditus. It's a difficult name sometimes. For in spite of his illness, he did not turn back, but pressed on to reach Paul. And notice, too, how Paul emphasized the point that Epaphroditus now ached for his brothers and sisters back home. He longed for his church family and was distressed because they had heard about his illness. Now, we are not sure on the details here how these Philippians heard about their brother's illness or how Paul knew that they knew. Whatever the case Epaphroditus now had a sense of responsibility to return to them. Verse 28. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life, make up for the help you could not give me. Although Epaphroditus should not need such a recommendation, Paul praised him anyways. 
Paul knew that the church's heart was set on Timothy coming to them. Yet he made the case for Epaphroditus. This messenger's return would not only make them glad, but it would bring joy to Paul as well. He would not have to worry about about the church so much with such a trustworthy man there to help lead and guide them. After all, Epaphroditus was a man they should honor. For in many ways, he was just like Timothy. He was a true citizen of God's kingdom, willing to give up his life for the cause of Christ. He looked to serve first, putting the interests of others ahead of himself. Therefore, these brothers and sisters in Philippi should not be disheartened that Timothy couldn't come. Because in so many ways, Epaphroditus was worthy of such a calling. And his return was necessary. This is why Paul includes this portion of his letter. These Philippian believers needed to stop looking outside their own church for the answer. For God had already given them a solution within. God had equipped them. They were no longer babes nursing on milk, but God had matured them. They were capable of handling difficult situations on their own. Timothy was not a necessity, for they already had a champion like Epaphroditus. This does not mean that they were perfect. They still had their issues. Paul still needed to instruct them on humility and unity and being bold in Christ. Yet they did not need an outsider to shepherd and guide them through that process. They had Epaphroditus. Neither Timothy nor Epaphroditus were without fault. As much as Paul praised these two men, they were still sinful men. And just like Paul, neither of them had attained perfection. Yet they were men of faith who did not look to their own attributes or good deeds to save them. They looked to Christ. Just as Timothy took a genuine interest in the church's welfare, Christ did so abundantly more as he was wounded for your transgressions. And just as Timothy proved himself as a loyal son to Paul, Jesus was more loyal to his father, being obedient to the point of death. And just as Epaphroditus risked his life in service to Paul, Jesus did more than this as he willingly gave up his life in your stead so that you might receive forgiveness. And as much as Epaphroditus longed to be reunited with his church family, Christ's desire for you to be reconciled to him is even greater. God had prepared the church in Philippi to be strong in him. And he has done the same for you. The same Holy Spirit that worked in these men now works in you. 
In the Lord, you have been granted an attitude of humility. In Christ, you have been given a spirit of unity. In Jesus, you are made bold, bearing testimony to him. Brothers, sisters, just as God was with Joshua, just as he was with Timothy, and just as he was with Epaphroditus, he is also with you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. As you love God, as you love your neighbor, as you speak courageously the gospel message, trials and tribulations will come your way. Yet it matters not. For God has been and is preparing you, giving you what is necessary to endure such things. And that good work that he began in you will be carried on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have established your church. We ask now that you would make us men and women who do not shy away from serving our neighbors. Make us Christians that are willing to lay down our lives for the gospel message. Turn us into soldiers for you. For it was your son who laid down his life for us, dying for our sins. Guide us by your Holy Spirit as we reflect upon that truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.